allows the Rangers to get three freshes. Malkin dances past Fox, but the recovery on the poke check. And then the salary feed is stolen away. Here's Fox over the line. Adam Fox across the slot. Slides it back down to Kako. The rookies hook up on the overtime winner. Kako Kako wins it for the Rangers. Hey, what is up? It is Steve Bennett, the host of the Sportscaster Season 9, Episode number 21. On the program today, uh, we have the original guest, the OG of the Sportscasters, the lone guest on Season 1, Episode 1, from now ESPN, Jeff Passan, uh, will be on. And I'm going to warn you now, I bomb in this interview. I'm terrible. I can't make a point. I'm a mushmouth. I stink. Jeff uh, hangs me out to dry. Now, I will say this. Jeff knows exactly what I'm talking about, uh, but basically just kind of lays out to make me look like a fool, uh, which is fun. That's that's the kind of fun that Jeff and I have. You're going to love this interview. It's really fun. It's funny. Also, Neil Best is on the show. Now, I recorded this interview with Neil a couple weeks ago, uh, and he's on to talk about the New York sports radio scene. Mike Francesa. Of course, from the Mike and the Mad Dog show, uh, has uh, basically announced his second retirement from WFAN. Uh, and we recorded this before that happened, but we talk about what would happen if it did. So we knew it was coming. So we said, hypothetically, if he does retire, was basically the premise of the interview. Uh, so we really didn't lose anything by the fact that he announced the retirement a couple days later, just as good uh, because we talk about what Neil thinks should happen at the radio station uh, in the post, you know, the post Francesa world. So uh, that's really fun. We talk about his rivalry uh, with Michael Kay. Uh, good stuff with Jeff. We talk about the Astros sign stealing stuff and free agency uh, and Daniel Hudson, who was a big part of Jeff's book, The Arm. Uh, recording the last out of the World Series. And then, of course, we just talk about like nonsense that we always do uh, and bust balls and joke around. And I love having Jeff on, and you're going to really enjoy that. And we'll do that first after a brief intro here. Before we get on to the show, I do want to talk for a minute about episode 20 and kind of the fallout of it. I released it a, you know, about 10 days ago now. Joe Tessitore was on the show as well as Scott Burnside. Now, I mentioned on the show, it took me a long time to book Joe Tessitore. And I mentioned what a great guy he was and how much fun we had. And I have to say, I was absolutely delighted by the response that the interview got. Uh, first of all, ESPN PR tweeted about how much they liked it and texted me personally uh, to mention. I know Richard Deitch gets mad at me and says that shouldn't matter to me. But he doesn't realize that I need to maintain... Real, I can't be as advers, adversarial with ESPN as he is because they don't need me at all. So 
I have to maintain a good working relationship with the people at ESPN who will talk to me because there's some within ESPN who think it's absurd to let one of their people come on this show. I can't get anyone from the college football world because I can't think of her name, but the PR woman at, that handles that branch of the compound there is like, absolutely not. Never. Uh, so I need to maintain that, and the fact that he thought it was good and worthwhile is good for me and the, the future of us getting more guests uh, from ESPN. I want it, I want that to happen. Didn't change any question I asked, though. I did the same interview I would do either way, and I hope for the best, you know? Uh, then I reached out personally, and I'll admit that I did this. I reached out to Andrew Buckholtz of Awful Announcing on, on Twitter DM, and I said, Hey, man, I did this interview with Tessa Tor, and I think you might like it, and it, maybe there's something to write on in it. I don't know. Uh, and he checked it out, and he, he wrote back and said he did like it, and they did do a post uh, on Awful Announcing. So it was a really good week for the podcast. Um, I know in my quaz with Jeff Perlman, he says, you know, like, why do you want promotion? Shouldn't you just be doing this for fun? And, of course, I do do this for fun, and it is I do do it because it's a passion. If it ever wasn't fun, of course I wouldn't do it. But that doesn't mean I don't want people to hear it, right? Like I still, those of you that know about this, you probably think it's like one of those good, I hope you think it's one of those like best kept secrets on the internet that we're doing something great here and you get to know about it and be in. And if you listen and you want to chat with, like I'm always, any listener that ever reaches out, like you're my guy. I took a listener to dinner on my honeymoon uh, in Vegas. So like, please, by all means. But, um. Yeah, it was a great week a great week for the show, and I did kind of leave it out there a bit. Didn't want to cover it up just yet, uh, but it's time. we got a great episode today. Like I said, what we're going to do is we'll take a break. Uh, then we'll do the Jeff Passan interview. Uh, then I'll come back, do the book club, update you on that. And then we'll do the Neil Best interview, and then I'll be on with one last thing. And today I want to tell you about a phase that Paula is going through and how I'm responding to it as a parent. Uh, so I think that that could be pretty interesting. Like we always say, that is kind of more of a personal part of the show. Uh, I worked really hard on that, uh, developing that into what it is today. Um, and I have gotten feedback that people do enjoy that part of it uh, and would rather that than me just kind of like talking about just like a generic sports topic like the Astros controversy or something like that or Tua getting injured in an Alabama game. So with all that said, let's get started. I'm excited about everything we're doing today. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened last week. If you're a new listener, hopefully I can keep you. I think this interview with Jeff is really fun. If you're into the New York sports media scene, you're going to love the stuff I do with Neil Best. We even talk a little college hockey. I always like to get a few minutes of that in when I can. Uh, and then we'll be back with one last thing. And if you are new, I encourage you to check out, check that out. You know, Get to know me a little bit and see if I'm interesting. I probably am not, but... <laughs> Give me a try. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with our OG, Jeff Passan. Our first guest today lives in Kansas City. He's from Cleveland, graduated from Syracuse. Tony Kornheiser has no idea who the hell he is, and he was the first person to ever appear 
on the Sportscasters. A warm welcome to our OG, Jeff Passan. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, man? I didn't even get the big intro, or are you going to do the, the big intro when I'm not around? <laughs> are you just trying to, like, no, jump it just, right into this? It just played. It, it just played? Yeah, okay. it was a pre-recorded Syracuse fight song with me mentioning how you were the first person to ever appear, and you're nice enough to come back right. today. Yeah. So I'm always what 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 number of appearance is this for me? Oh, it's a lot. You're double digits. You're in the top five. I was gonna say who uh, who's who's the number one. So I think Lee is still the number one, but the thing about him is he's frozen in time. You know because he's now an executive for an NBA team and doesn't come on anymore. Exactly. Right. So he's locked in. So everyone's kind of so you and Perlman and Deitch and Wertheim are like the ones. And and Wyshynski, uh, Greg Wyshynski, too, to some degree, your ESPN colleague, are all kind of... Um, I was going to say, I, yeah. I, I was, uh, now wish, but I was the only non-SI person on that list. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was such a huge, especially in the beginning, like, such a huge SI podcast. Like, yeah, it really, like, once you did the first interview ever, like, basically you agreed to be on a show that didn't exist... So it's like, oh, I better create something to actually have him on. Um, and then, I was gonna say, why did I? Why did? Why did I say yes? Do you I don't know. You, you were so you were promo- so basically over Christmas. I got Death to the BCS as a Christmas gift, and okay. I read it over Christmas. And just like as a hypothetical, I said, "Well, now that I'm going to be home for a while, you know, because it was like when I first had to be off for my Crohn's or whatever, I was like, maybe I should see if I can interview people." And do a podcast, which I barely knew what that was. I had to like research it, and um, I said, "Well, maybe one of these guys of that book I just read would be on." So then, I, so like the first thing I did was like, "How hard would that be?" Because I had no idea in my head. Like, can I actually? Would anyone could I do that? And I just kind of like googled like who is doing this book, who's publishing it. And then I sent a generic email out, and then whoever was representing the book got back to me, and it was kind of like an email sent to you. And to Dan Wetzel and who's the third guy's name? Peters? Peter? Josh Peter. Josh Peter. Good memory. Yeah. And um, you responded and said, I'll do it. You know, like, I'll take this one kind of a thing. And then um, I was like, God, that shows you how starved for publicity that we were. (laughs) Yeah. You agreed to do a show that did not exist. There was, I didn't even have a name to tell her to be on. It it literally, it literally was not a thing until we said yes. Right. Exactly. Yep. You said yes, and, and I was like, had, "Oh, I better." If we had, if we had, if we had said no, I probably would have said, "Fuck it." Would you have done the podcast? No, maybe not. I probably would have just said, "Ah, oh, it's going to be too hard to get people. I don't know anyone." I would have found an excuse not to do it. You know, like you guys were a reason to do it, where I was looking kind of for an excuse not to, because I knew I had to find something to do with my life because I was going to be home for at least a little while. I knew that, and I was like, I need to right. find something to do. So, yeah. So then. After you came on, the second guest on the next week, like the next show, was Greg Wyshynski. And then from that point on, it was almost all SI people for a while. Like Richard Deitch was on the third show. Joe Piznanski was on the sixth show. And that was really big because he had just won Sports Trader of the Year that year. And um, mm-hmm. so now I could say like, oh, well, Joe Piznanski was on. And that's why Peter King was on because he was like, oh, well, if Peter King didn't know what I was talking about, he's like, I don't know what a podcast is so that's like where we were yeah that's where we were like in the it's like i don't know what you're asking me to do you're gonna have to explain it like explain to me 
And I was like, well, it's just like a phone spot, you know. And I said, oh, Joe Piznanski did it. See, the reason there were so many SI people on, this is kind of funny, is because they all had the same email. So once I got one person's email, all I had to do was yeah, like adjust it to their it name. At, right. At, yeah. At, at simail.com. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I figured that out. And then, I, so then I was just like going through the line. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, but it always it always is like you know I still get like the the podcast pitch has not changed in that time. It's still hi, my name is whatever your name is. Right. I do a podcast called whatever the podcast name is. I have had guests such as <laughs> name drop name drop name drop. <laughs> Would you like to be on my podcast? And and like how long how long has this been around now? 2011. That's the came out January 2011. I, I was going to yeah. say 2010, but 2011. So in the in the eight years since, um, almost nine years now. There's 700,000 the, podcasts now. Well, it's not just that, but the the <laughs> evolution for me personally has been that I'm the dick who doesn't go on many podcasts anymore. Like this is the. I'm trying to think if I do any other, if there are any other podcasts that I will say like a non-ESPN no ones, yes. you mean? Like you do uh, the yeah, new non-ES- non-ESPN, right? Do you do oh, uh, yeah. Pardon I mean, the, the Take? I, I, I think the, uh, do I do what? Pardon the Take or whatever, the Barstool one? I've never been on there. No, no. okay. Um, every time I'm on like starting nine or section 10, which are the the Barstool Baseball podcast? Okay, it's because it's because Jared Carabas calls me and and doesn't say, "Hey Jeff, do you want to be?" Like he'll call me in the middle of the show, and <laughs> and it'll be live, like a power move. Kinda. He did it. He, yeah. He, yeah, he did yeah. it to me yesterday, and and I was on the toilet. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just and I just picked up and like. That's a, that's kind of the that's kind of the beauty of cell phones. You never you never have any idea where somebody is or what they're doing at a particular time. And just in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I'm I'm laying down on my bed right now, looking at my laptop next to my dog. So there's nothing particularly nefarious going on at this moment. It's funny you talk about the pitch because one thing that I've added to my pitch recently is I tell people how Jeff Passan refers to being on the show as a Wayne's World-type experience. Like, I use that now in my pitches to people. You know, like, that's one of the things I write. So you said that to me. And uh, I, I, I hope, I, hope you're, I was going to say, I hope, you're, I hope you're not looking after, like, uh, like younger writers or anything like that, because Wayne's World would totally go Oh, right, they don't know what right? that is, right? Yeah, like, what the hell is no Wayne's idea. World? Yeah, that's funny. No idea. Yeah, we. I always show my daughter movies, and we're like, because she's three years old. Which, do you ever see Big Daddy with uh, with Adam yeah. yeah, you know that part where he's he's. Talk- I'm, I'm sure your three old three year old daughter is just loving the part where he talks about loose skin and old balls. <laughs> old balls. I don't think we watch that one though, to be honest. Loose skin. And yeah, old balls. balls. Ugh, gross. <laughs> what is it not to die? Um, no. So there's that part in the movie where he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna show you some cool shit along the way." Like, I that's part of my like parenting. Like, I watched. I, we we were diehard A Team fans. Me and her watch the A Team all the time. We watch Karate Kid all the time. We watch 1980s wrestling. Yep. Yeah, and it's really funny because she wants me to take her to wrestling really bad, 
But the biggest reason she wants to go is because she wants Brett the Hitman Hart to give her his glasses. You know, and she wants to see Macho Man, but like, because she, she doesn't know that they're, you know, dead or retired or anything. Like, you know, she thinks WrestleMania 3 was last weekend. You know, not 1987. But, um, what did I want to say? Why did that come up? Oh, because the Wayne's World, the Wayne's World pitch. No, but, um, here's something I wanted to ask you about your son. This was something I was really curious about. It was a night game when Mahomes got hurt, right? So was he asleep? Uh, yes. Okay, so uh, no, no, probably. You know what? Probably not. I think I was out of town. Like it was October, so I was definitely out of town. Okay, yeah, I was just curious, like what goes through your son's, like what is his reaction to a Mahomes injury like that? Uh, what any fan's reaction is, like desperation and right, yeah. anger and and hope and. You know, he's like a, he's pretty much a fully formed human being at this point. So. I, I know, but uh, it's been a long time since I was eight, you know, and my, my point. Oh, is, he's not eight, dude. He's, he's 12. Tw- oh, he's that old? That's how long I've been coming. That's oh how long I've been coming God. on this podcast. Right. He's 12. Yeah. Cause he was, I guess, four when you started coming on. Yeah. I guess I yep. just think of him as like an eight year old. Maybe that's, you know, where he was like in the middle kind of. Wow. He's 12 years yeah, old. No. Okay. Yeah, well, he's 12. He's almost, he's, he's, he's. he's He's going to be bigger than me in a year or two. Like, it's well, trouble. My quarterback got hurt this year too, so I was just I was wondering what the what our reactions were on what because mine I was oh I was so mad. I had just booked a trip. <laughs> I had just booked a trip to New Orleans, and one of the main reasons was is I wanted to make sure I got to see Breeze play one more time in the Superdome. And then now, so now he's missed three home games in since 2006. He's been on the team, and I was at one of them. But um, I did get to meet him, so I guess I probably wouldn't have met him if he was playing. So it's kind of like, you know, I probably would still rather see him play than meet him. But at least I got something out of it. Um, what's up? We were we were about to do this, and then the Astros happened. What? Let me ask you this about baseball. So we never get to baseball. Let me ask you at least one or two baseball things. I don't hot, think anyone wants to talk about baseball. No, probably not. But I got I'm curious about two things. One is like on July first, when free agency starts in hockey, like all these people sign. I know in basketball it happens like in the middle of the night, like at midnight or something, it can start. All these people sign. You know, football. Why in baseball when free agency starts, nothing happens? Like players signing like June. Like is this just a sure sign of labor unrest and Another baseball no, strike no, or no, like no, why? No, no. What's going on? Why doesn't anyone sign? I'm I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to I'm going to allow you to answer your own question here, and this is going to be an interesting trivia test. Okay. Um. Why Why do you think? What's the one thing that the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL have that Major League Baseball doesn't? What is the one thing those three sports that Major League Baseball doesn't? Oh, a salary cap. That is correct. And so when you're in baseball, you have agents who realize that there is no limit to what they can go out and get for players. And when you have the, the limitless top of the market um, and you have a middle of the market where uh, players could, could theoretically range anywhere from $30 million to $125 million, and uh, there's, there's nothing that is – preventing them uh, from holding out for the contract they want as long as they have to and trying to 
get the leverage that they need, the, the rush to go and sign players just is not there. Uh, you know, baseball teams are very, very wary and very, very reticent to be the ones who get out in front. They want to make sure that they have surveyed all of their options and have not put themselves in a position where they're leaving uh, an extra penny more on the table than they have to. Yeah, I was thinking about Maddox and Bonds were free agents the same year, right? And Maddox went to the Braves yeah. and Bonds went to the Giants. Try, I was, I was That was the, before the 94 season, correct? Right before the lockout, or was it the year? Yeah, right before, or was it the year after? It's either the year before the nah. strike or the year after the strike. Um, that was that happened right away, though, right? Like this is a newer trend, isn't it? Was, it? it was, it was, it was, it uh, was, it was the year before the strike, by the okay. way, ninety three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but so like, is this a newer thing, like where this drags out? Like, what's going to happen to the big guys this year? Like, is Garrett Cole going to sign soon, or is it going to be like you know? valentine's day like when when do you expect like the bigger names to start coming off the board obviously the best reliever is gone right the braves signed will smith um yesterday i guess um yeah i i don't know if things are going to stretch into february for the top top guys like they have necessarily i mean there's always a chance and there are some guys i think like someone like hyunjin ryu has a chance to stretch pretty far because I think teams see a bunch of warning signs on him, the age, uh, the body, the arm health, the performance toward the end of the season, and don't see him as a guy who they want to give long-term big money to. Um, I, I, I almost think they see him more probably as a Rich Hill type, and Rich Hill got three years and $48 million, I think, in his last big deal with the Dodgers. And uh, Hyunjin Ryu is coming off a year in which he finished, I believe, like, where was he? Was he third in the Cy Young voting? I mean, yeah, I think was, third. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he was, yeah, let's see. No, he was second. Second. Was wow. second. Uh, second led the league in ERA. And I mean, if you're finishing second in the Cy Young, leading the league in ERA, should you really get only a three year deal when? Zach Wheeler is going to get five years and probably a hundred million, and Madison Bumgarner is going to get five years and probably a hundred million. Uh, I think you can, you know, there's there's some understandable beef there, and so a guy like him taking a while, I can I can see that happening. Is there more to what the Braves GM said, or was that a mistake? Like, was he did he just kind of misspeak, or like did he kind of tip yeah, off? Yeah, I mean, I don't. No, I don't no. think that there's. Uh, the, there's there's not there's not collusion going on in the sense that the the teams are standing there and the general managers are talking to one another. If there's a collusion case to be built, um, and and I, I it's an it's a really hard one I think legally to build, but it's more the idea that you have this proliferation of sameness among all of the teams. You have so many front office people who have been trained at the labor relations department at major league baseball and have sort of gone out there to spread the word. You have so many, uh, lower level executives who were talking with one another, uh, and, and whose philosophies and, and theories are the same. And when you have that sameness, that same approach from all of these teams, 
the the consequence is what you've got now, which is a free agent market that has definitely been slowed down and has evolved into something different. And that difference, um, the the clubs see as efficiency, and the players see as something much more nefarious. And the the driving down of prices, I think, is a natural consequence, not just of the greater understanding that baseball teams have with regards to what value is and, and projection going forward, but also with the, the sameness of thinking and, and whether that is something that merits uh, not just a collusion claim, but something that arbitrators would rule on in the favor of the players that I don't know. Gotcha. How big do you think the, like, I don't want to get too into the Astros thing as I think it's so fluid right now that by the time we get this up, it's going to be changed. You know, like, I don't want to get too deep into it. But, like, do you think this gets to, like, Patriot Sky, uh, Spygate levels or beyond? Or do you think this kind of fizzles out here? Like, how big do you see this story getting over the next week or days or months? Um, I mean, I think it all depends on who talks. Yeah, I think if Major League Baseball can get, I think if Major League Baseball can get someone to talk, then it has a chance to be bigger than Spygate. Gotcha. I think if if I think if everybody remains buttoned up, then it's not going to fizzle out. There are going to be punishments, certainly. But um, here's the thing: there have been so many rumors about the Astros and about other teams as well uh, over the last few years, and some of them, of course are probably false but at the same time it's like man there's there just is so much smoke that um if there's no fire there's some sort of a a magician out here creating it would you say that you are like i always i always kind of looked at it like i had this one guy who came on the show all the time who was like a big analytics guy. Like it was his hundred percent analytics guy. And he's kind of, who is that? Jonah Carey. Oh. So, so, he, so he doesn't come oh. on anymore. right? Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know where he is anymore, but he, wow. yeah, he was always nice to me. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know him like that, too. you know? So I don't know what happened, but he's not on anymore, obviously. But I always looked at him as like the, Everything he thought of about baseball was very much analytic driven. You know, I always looked at him that way. And then I always kind of looked at you as someone who was like kind of more in between, where like you were analytics, but not analytics only. That you were, you had like kind of a mix. Is that a true assessment of how you view the game and how you analyze the game? Or 100%. Okay. 100%. Here's what I was was bothering me all. Set me straight on this because I'm sure I'm wrong. And I'd say that without any cynicism. I'm sure I'm wrong. But when I think of analytics, I think that the value of it is that over the course of a 162-game season, if you follow it, you're going to – those percentages that you're basing your decisions on are going to have a chance to to stay true. And that if you're doing something that's going to occur 90% of the time, if you follow it all year long over 162 games, it will work out. Then it gets to the playoffs – and I feel like that's the time, in my opinion, where the, the managers need to look up at the field and like watch the games a little bit more and manage a little bit more with feel and in the moment. And I just feel like I was watching all playoffs 
so many strange decisions that were based on analytics. And in my mind, I'm thinking, how can they base them so much on analytics when there's no there's no room for an even and an out? There's no room to – if you get hit with that one – if it's a 90% chance and the 10% chance comes in, your season's over, right? You know what I'm saying? Or like – I don't know. Like there was a time in a Yankees game where Brett Gardner was up and the Yankees were – there was no outs and they had runners on first and second. It seemed like a no-doubt bunt spot. And they didn't bunt, and he popped up to the, you know, the third baseman or whatever. They didn't move the the runners over. The inning kind of fell apart. You know, the stuff with the pitchers, um, you know, where they're bringing guys in predetermined. You know, the again the Yankees where they brought the guy out of the bullpen and he's mowing down batters, and he already knew that he wasn't going to get the batter. He only had one batter left, and they pull him. I think. Uh, I'm bad with names, but they bring the other guy in and he gives up a home run on the first pitch. You probably remember what I'm talking about. It's like, save me for myself here, Jeff. <laughs> Jump in. Do you see what I'm trying to what say? About... No, I have no idea. Okay, I didn't think so. Talking. I didn't what think you, so. What yeah. are you trying to say? I'm trying to say is why don't coaches manage uh, the, the true analytics teams? Don't they need to manage in the playoffs a little bit more with their head up looking at the field and not their head down in the binder? They, I think they do. I don't, I don't think they. I, yeah, I just. Uh, I don't know. I just. I disagree with the premise. Okay, fair enough. That was a bomb. Let's move on. I stink. Um, but but <laughs> right. but hold hold on a sec. This is this is actually a. It, it's an it's an interesting question to ask, because while I feel like your premise there is false. And and they do manage differently. I think it's a reasonable question to ask: Why do they manage differently, or should they manage differently? Because the whole idea behind analytics is that if you follow something enough times, then the marginal advantage you will get out of following it. Right. That's what I was trying going to say. In the end, to mm-hmm. be in the end is going to be better right. than what you would get otherwise. And so, if they do manage differently why why would they like isn't that isn't that a failure well i guess the reason why you wouldn't is because it's like let's say you're playing one hand of blackjack and you have 16 and the dealer's showing two right the book says to hit the reason the book or the book says to stand and the reason the book says to stand is because you're going to win 80 out of 100 but you're going to bust 20 percent of the time so are you do you yep. want to risk the bust on that hand? You know, you might change your yeah. philosophy because it's only one hand. I guess right. is why. You know? If you're predetermining that a guy is going to come out of the game for the second hitter in the next inning because of analytics, and you take that guy out, but he's only pitched fifteen pitches and every guy is out and he's cruising along, but you make this predetermined decision and the guy hits a home run because it was one of the ten where that matchup doesn't work, it costs you your season. There's no time to make it up. Right. Right. So I guess that's why I would think you would manage a little different. Head up a little bit more. Fair. But um, yeah, thank you for you, saving I, me a little bit there. Sound, yeah, I didn't save you at all. I'm just letting well, you drown. It's I great. said that I might be totally wrong, and I anticipated any analytics person saying I was. Because that that's the thing about analytics is they're never wrong. Right, people who are into <laughs> analytics are never wrong. It's always right to do analytics. So, and like, uh, 
So they say. Yeah. And that's that's kind of I mean that's kind of how the Houston Astros run themselves, you know. Yeah, and they got I had somebody this week. I had somebody this week say that they're uh, they're scouting. Uh, their analytics to scouting balance these days is ninety nine to one. And what's the Yankees? Because they're kind of all in on analytics as well, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's not ninety nine to not one. I would probably one. guess. No, I probably guess sixty five thirty five. Is there going to be a strike in twenty twenty or a lockout twenty twenty one? I guess it is. Where do you stand percentage wise? Mm, too early to say. Too early to I don't, say. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's. I, I think at this point there is so much to be done, uh, and and so many positions to be staked out that taking a guess would. It. Uh, I I run the risk of of being inaccurate, and in in my position, I do not like being inaccurate. So, if we strictly, as you know, if we strictly used analytics. And you went with my we performance, strictly. And, right? Strictly analytic based, based on how much I've stunk so far in this. What would be the chances you'd ever come back if we were only using analytics? Are you talking? So, so I'm trying to take a shot at myself. Here. I'm trying to make fun of myself <laughs> and lighten this up a little. I know. Yeah. And, and here's and here's the thing about analytics. Uh-huh. Analytics deeply, analytics deeply consider past performance. Okay. All right. And, All right. Good. Thank God. And so. And so, but here's the thing, your past performance in my appearances has been pretty consistently horseshit. Oh no. And the fact that I, <laughs> and the fact that I keep, <laughs> the fact that I keep coming back <laughs> says more about me than it does about you. And it says that I, I just, I have a particular affinity for this podcast that goes beyond what numbers can uh, can assign. So I would, I would say that, uh, analytics would probably get this one wrong. They would say <laughs> that I was not going to come back and yet here I am. And then here you are. Well, maybe one of the reasons is because I love the arm as much as anyone in the world. And I couldn't help, but be very happy for Daniel Hudson when he threw his mitt across the field after recording. <laughs> that the last was pretty out. sweet. It was off. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm not in, you know, I kind of like the Braves. I'm not like, it's not like the Saints and the Sabres, but they're like my team if I had to pick one. So I'm not a big Nats yep. guy, but, man, that was awesome. I felt really great for him just by reading the book and knowing what the injury cost him and professionally and personally. And, man, it was really cool. It had to be even better for you, right? I mean, it had to be – I know you're not rooting for everyone, anyone and you're you're great at what you do and you're objective and you're awesome like that, but there had to be part of you that was just really pumped for that moment, right? Yeah, it was weird watching Daniel Hudson pitch because it's it's very rare in, in the course of my job that I get to spend as much time with any athlete as I did with him and get to know any athlete or anyone as well as I got to know him. So seeing him in that moment, number one, was weird because I didn't think he was that good. Um and I said that to him too. After after the World Series was over, it was, he was like, "You never thought I'd get here, did you?" <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, yeah, I did not, and pretty sure I'm not the only one. He's, and he was like, "Yeah, I kind of didn't think I would get here either." But there Does, he was, did um, finishing finishing out the World Series, which was a pretty incredible thing to see. I'm not sure if it's possible, but did you? 
explore the possibility of like adding a chapter to like the ebook version of the book or anything like that or yeah that's a lot of work yeah dude. Just i got a lot it. going on our... <laughs> it had to cross your that's... mind like man i'd love to put something else in there about it yeah, like, yeah. I, I tweeted it i tweeted it that night I oh yeah like, that's right uh, i remember that yep yeah, it was yeah. like uh this uh I think a book needs a, a new uh, epilogue. I know you don't go on. Oh, that was, I'm that sorry. was me, teasing, uh, me teasing the idea that I absolutely was never going to do. Because <laughs> I, I have free agency. And what would people rather have? Rumors on Twitter or a chapter in a book? And the Astro scandal, quote, unquote, at this point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I know you don't go on a lot of podcasts because you said that. Do you listen to many? Are you a listener of podcasts? Yeah, I'm a podcast yeah. listener. Well, I only bring it up because I was I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I was listening to Tony Kornheiser's show. I know you know I that we talked about this off the air, but I was so hyped up when <laughs> you came up on the Tony Kornheiser show. He's like it was pretty funny. Yeah, it? he's just telling the story, and, and, and the way and the way the way that I came up to was was pretty amusing. It was I had no idea who this guy was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no clue. Who, yeah, he's just totally nope. Didn't know him. <laughs> he claims he was, and then the whoever else was on the show, they're like, yeah, I don't ever know the interns either. They're like, you know, backing him up. But man, that was so cool. Um, Tony's a character. I I, I love him, and uh, I like that show. I listen to it when I can, and um. That was really cool. And I thought it was funny, too, because I sent you the link and, like, the timestamp. Like, maybe the timestamp I gave you was, like, 30 seconds before. But he was talking about something so not Jeff Passan related that it was amazing that in that 30 seconds, it went – you must have been like, what? this time cannot be right. And then all of a sudden, yeah. he's saying your name. So I thought I was that was – say, all of a sudden, it was right then. Yeah, that was really funny. Um, all right, Jeff passing he's our guy he's been on he's done this so many times i know he's busy so i'm not gonna keep much longer that was 30 minutes already 30 minutes of me babbling like an idiot um i know i gotta go too because i gotta go chase some astro stuff at jeff passing on twitter um what anything else any final words anything on um how chief's gonna make the playoffs i don't care don't care um (laughs) nope all right, you got nothing else. I got nothing else. I mean, I have other stuff, but it would be long. I, I don't have a good way to kind of just end right now, so we'll just end. You, you know what the good way to end is? You gonna Three, hit me? two, <laughs> one. See ya. Could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high All right, I want to thank Jeff Passan for being on the podcast today. It's important to me to have a relationship with the first person on this show, and I love Jeff, and I love having him on, and I know he's a busy guy in the ESPN era of his career, uh, so I appreciate him taking some of that time out with us. And wasn't it cool to listen to him talk about how few podcasts he does, and to know that this little show uh, is one of them? I, I don't, I don't take that for granted. I really appreciate that. Um, thanks to Jeff.
Okay, book club, real quick. Sports betting for winners, tips and tales from the new world of sports betting by our friend Rob Mish. Uh, I just started reading this, and I gave Anthony a copy, which Rob signed for him, and he's reading it. And Rob will be in real soon uh, to talk to us about it and to talk about the evolution of sports betting. Uh, we read a similar book earlier in the in the summer, and um, we'll see how this is different or the same. Uh, also, Dark, Black, and Blue, The Soundgarden Story by Greg Prado. Greg is going to be on The Eddie Trunk Show on SiriusXM on Monday, and he's going to be on this show next episode. Uh, so Greg and I are going to make a time to talk about Dark, Black, and Blue, The Soundgarden Story which I am just about through with and thrilled with and can't wait to talk. Soundgarden, I mentioned how doing this kind of reminded me of when we did the unauthorized Alice in Chains story, um, and I can't wait to talk to Greg kind of about Soundgarden and uh, what he thinks about their chances to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I also want to touch on him a little bit about all the other things he's written, uh, whether it be a book about the New York Jets or the islanders or kiss this guy's like the kiss the voice of kiss especially from the 80s uh let's find out what he thinks about them playing the tracks and all that so check him out on any trunk if you hear this before monday uh if not sirius xm you can go to their app there uh, it's on demand for as long as it's one of the last six shows i think so you can check that out and we'll have greg next week All right, with that said, let's keep moving. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with, from New York Newsday, Neil Best. All right, our next guest lives in New York and works for New York Newsday. He's a graduate of Cornell. He's been on this podcast a bunch of times. I love having him in. Let's do a warm sportscaster's welcome for Neil Best. Hello, Neil. How are you doing today? Great. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I have a question about, a, a lead-off question right away about the um, the ratings war between Francesa and Michael K. Since right. since when did this become a monthly thing? I thought these are quarterly rating ratings books. Why? That's a very... That's a very good question. <laughs> I do know the answer, much as I wish it wasn't Clicks. happening. But um, well, that that is well, that is a big part of the answer. But basically, what started it was when CMB came in in January of eighteen. Uh, there was a lot of interest in how they were doing against K, uh, and I didn't want to wait for the um, you know the the entire that entire winter of eighteen number to come out. So I reached out to find out what the monthly was. And, you know, we got that number, and, yeah, the web editor was like, yeah, this is great. Um, a lot of people are interested in this. So then he he was kind of pushing for it every month. Then when Francesca came back, it was in the middle of a book, remember, that was May. So we're one month into the spring book. So at that point, there was so much interest in how he was doing against Kay in May that, um, you know, because at that point it was a partial – he came in in the middle of a book, so it was always going to be like a partial kind of a judgment for, for right. that spring of 18. So at that point, it became important to report the monthlies because there was a lot of interest in it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the radio people on both sides do not like it because this is uh, – I, 
always call it, you know, first intermission of a hockey game, and Marchand always calls it three innings of a baseball game, and it's true. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, one could argue that if you're interested in the hockey game, well, then the score after the first period is interesting to you, even if you uh, realize that it's not the final score. So, you know, here we are. I mean, if, if Francesa does leave in December and there's a new show in January, well, people are going to be wondering how that show does against K when it comes to January's numbers. So, yeah, we're kind of stuck is the... Uh, we're kind of stuck with this, basically, is the answer. <laughs> so. I guess my only problem with it is that on the Internet, whatever the first thing is, is always the truth. So, like, you know, the other day it came out that, um, you know, Michael K beat him in the month, that, you know, he destroyed him this month or whatever. Well, even if Francesa wins the book, there's always this going to be this perception that Michael K beat him, even though in reality he didn't, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's always well, that... Well, First no, I understand. Well, first of all, all I can do, uh, you know, as a journalist, is explain all that in the story. I mean, obviously, you're right that people kind of react to headlines, but I can't help that. Um, the, the other thing that I always try to point out in these articles is forget, forget about the one month versus three month thing. That's one problem, but the the whole thing is filled with problems. I mean, first of all, when we report TV ratings, we tend to do the whole audience. You know, all people watching. For some reason, well, I know the reason. The both stations are locked into this twenty men, twenty-five to fifty-four demographic to to, to measure themselves because that's what advertisers care about. But I'm more interested in the total audience that's right. listening to this stuff. So, you know, no women count, no men over fifty-four count, which you know, Francesca certainly is ahead in the men over fifty-four area, and and no men under twenty-five count. I'm sure there aren't that many listening, but there's some. So. The whole thing is is sort of ridiculous. K's, you know, K's simulcast. Well, that doesn't count. Uh, do we count the streaming or not? Well, I've chosen to count it because it's measured the same way as the, over the air. But that's another issue. So there's all kinds of problems in here, and a lot of it just comes comes down to ego. And if Mike, if, if Francesca loses, that'll be a legitimate story. Uh, if he doesn't, and then leaves, that's I mean, whatever. It's people are interested, right? No, I'm uh, interested. But yeah, there's, there's a wrong. lot of nuances. There's there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of nuances. The to me, the real story of this entire saga is not that Francesa has fallen on his face because he has not since he come back. He came back. His numbers have been pretty good. The real story is what Kay has done to, to the rise. His rise over the last like years, five years, has been very impressive. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm very interested uh, in this, so I'm not right. trying to ask, ask these questions as someone who's trying to downplay it as a who cares. I'm very, very interested. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, and... A, um, lot, of people, a lot of people are, they're clicking on it. Yeah, no, it's, it fascinates me. Uh, Francesca's always fascinated me. You know, I'll stand here and tell you right now, I think that Mike and the Mad Dog is the greatest sports radio show of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that either of them has have been as good as the sum of the parts, but... Um, that doesn't make either of them any less interesting. Now you talked about the streaming and I could never understand why Michael K doesn't think Francesca's streaming should count when his does, right? Because ESPN gives you a number of both included where Francesca's are separate. But then in one of the books, K had one, if you don't count Francesca's streaming. So all of a sudden he's like, well, no, why would you count Francesca's streaming? It's like, well, of course you would. Right. Well, my attitude, um, and I believe Andrew Marshan, no, I know Andrew Marshan kind of agrees with me on this point, is that um, if you're, 
Yeah, I mean the problem is if if he, I don't want to speak for Marshall. I'm speaking for myself. If if the if if ESPN refuses to separate the two numbers, it only seems fair that for FAN you should be able to count the two numbers. The ESPN's rationale is a business rationale, which is that. Um, you know, what matters is what we sell to advertisers, and this combined number is what we sell to advertisers, whereas FAN's is, is separate. But my counter to that is that I don't really – it's not my job to care about your the nuances of your business plan. Uh, again, I am interested in, in which show has the bigger audience. Uh, so, therefore, it doesn't matter to me that FAN is selling different – Num- the two numbers to different ads it doesn't it's irrelevant to me i want to try to figure out which show is more popular so it just broke out into this fight and it's it's all a little silly i mean if espn was willing to separate its two numbers then i would be happy to report them separately and you know both stations separately right. so uh, again this whole ratings thing i it's it's really become. I mean, I cover it because it's my job, but um, it's really become very annoying. <laughs> right. I can imagine. We'll get back to the minutia of that in a minute. Let's talk about the shows for a second. Let's start with Mike's. Let me ask you this. I think about a year ago, uh, Mike shut down the um, the Funhouse Twitter app, and there was like a big backlash. And all these people, why would you do that? It's great publicity for your show. Um, I'm wondering, though, in retrospect, has that account been part of the downfall of Mike's show, if there is a downfall? Um, are people going to that consistently and saying, this guy, because to make it clear to people who don't know, the Funhouse account basically presents clips consistently of Mike being either wrong we're trying to frame him as looking stupid. It's never a positive clip for Mike. So I just wonder, like, do you think that's backfired now, him not shutting it down? Uh, because it seems to me like it's had a very negative effect on the perception of Mike and the perception of the show. Well, well, they don't have the power to shut down the account. But, yeah, they certainly have the, the question was shutting down the videos. The video. Right. Right. So, Look, there's no, I mean, it's indisputable that that account has hurt Mike's image, but it's a separate question about whether it's hurt his show slash ratings. I mean, sure. it's uh, because part of the Mike's thing, you know, even going back to the Mike and the Mad Dog days has been, you know, one of those characters people love to hate. And that's part of what uh, drives his, his success in terms of ratings, visibility, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, you can't not, you can't, argue against the idea that Mike's image has been hurt by that account. And I've talked to Mike about it and he just kind of is like, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's aware of it, but, um, you know, sometimes he thinks he's, he's, he had said to me, it's sometimes it's taken out of context. Sometimes it's nitpicking, which sometimes is true, but other times it's valid. Other times it's very valid, you know, criticism. Uh, so yeah, Mike went, Mike's, Mike's image used to be kind of the arrogant, you know, know-it-all kind of guy, brash personality, whatever. And because of Funhouse, it's it's morphed into something different, which is, you know, the image that Funhouse portrays of him. And um, But has it hurt the show? I mean, it hasn't... His job is to get people to listen, period. And in, that, in terms of that, you know, he's been fine. I mean, his numbers are still fine. Like I said earlier, he, his numbers are pretty good. 
Right. It's Kay who has gone up, not Mike going down. Right, yeah. Even if he re- loses the book to Kay, uh, we should say that he would still be a top three show in New York, correct? I mean, top two, Right, that, that's yeah. the interesting, the, the larger story here that's interesting to me compared to, you know, 10 years ago, let's say, is that this genre, with this, this seemingly stuffy old genre that appeals to old guys, I mean, it, in fact, is extremely healthy when you have... Now, granted, it's only within this demographic, but still, the top two shows in the entire New York market, including everything, Spanish music, news, everything, are two sports talk radio shows. That in itself is kind of is interesting to me. Yeah. You've mentioned Kay's sur- like surge. What's Why? Why has this happened? Do you have any, uh, any handle on that? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. People people have caught on to like the show. I, I think the adding Peter Rosenberg added another element to it, which, you know, a younger guy and a guy with a different sensibility who's not a hardcore X's and O's guy. I, mean, I did a feature on him last year about in the morning. He's co-host of a hip-hop radio show, and then in the afternoon he does sports talk, which is a unique double. Um, so, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I assume people, are, people like the show and they're tuning in, or maybe some don't like Mike anymore, or... Uh, you also have the ESPN brand behind it, which I assume helps. Uh, during baseball season, I think it helps that Kay obviously know that's his specialty, obviously. Right. Um, so that, that probably helps. Uh, Yankees being good this year, maybe that helped him, although it helps FAN that they actually have the Yankees game. So, I don't know. People like listening. That's, that's, you know. Peter Rose- Rosenberg's really interesting because he's obviously this figure in hip-hop music. You know, he's kind of, his background is kind of that of a DJ, right? Uh, yeah. And then he's also this big figure in the wrestling world, right? He has a pretty successful yep, yep. wrestling podcast yep. called Cheap Heat. Uh, and he's been on WWE Network. Uh, you know, he's definitely a name in that world. People know him. Um, I guess I personally struggle to find his expertise in sports the most. Well, I don't think he has expertise, quote-unquote. I mean, he's a sports fan who can talk like, you know, I don't think he would argue he knows, you know, the nuances of the Yankees the way Kay does, uh, but it just, Not you know, you had, another, right. you had another personality. When I was going to interview him, so this is January of 18, and my daughter, who I guess she was 23 at the time, um, I told her I was doing this story, and you know, this guy, Peter Rosenberg, who's on Michael Kay's show. I mean, you know, he actually, like, does a, you know, a, he's on a hip-hop radio show also. So I was like, sort of explaining the the story to her. And she says, wait a minute, you're, you're talking to DJ Rosenberg? <laughs> like, she was actually impressed. Right. I had never, I didn't even know the guy did this show in the morning. And my daughter's like, you're, you're talking to DJ Rosenberg? <laughs> That's funny. She wouldn't care if I was talking to Francesa or right. Kay or Aaron Judge, but she was impressed I was talking to DJ Rosenberg. That's really good. I like that. Um, did you like him? Was he was he likable? Was he a fun guy? Like, what oh, did yeah, you think? No, yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, no, yeah, I do. I, mean, I think he's good on the show, but just in terms of hanging out with him for the day, um, it, well, like I said, to me, it was a very interesting, unique. I mean, there's not too many people who could pull off what he's doing. Basically, it's, it's, it's just—it's just bizarre that that, and he's on two major shows. It's not like he's doing some, you know, backwater kind of thing. I mean, he's on two major shows. It's just weird. I'm not positive if you, if you would know this, but where does his morning show rank 
um, relative to oh, the Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, natural. I don't know about no. it. In terms of ratings, I don't know. No. I know it's a major show, but okay. I don't know about the ratings. Fair enough. Um, this book that Michael K., this first month of this book, is there any chance that his return, I don't know about the timing, but his return from his issues with his throat, is that maybe a cause for a little bit of a jump there? People interested to see how he's doing coming back from that? Well, I mean, it really doesn't, I mean, not really, only because no. he came back three weeks before the book started. Okay, so yeah, he, I wasn't sure. I don't think that's correlated, but, you know, the Yankees, the, the Yankees games are kind of a noise in, in the numbers, because so the first day of the book was a Yankees-Tigers makeup doubleheader, which did terrible numbers, which was why for the first week of the book, Kay really killed him. Uh, but then, you know, the Yankees had that 4 o'clock ALCS game in the middle of October, which was not included in that month, and that number will be better, I think, will be better than a, just a normal Francesa show, because, you know, it's, a, I mean, an ALCS game played during the day, a lot of people are going to listen to the radio. So, but, so, you know, it's not, that's, that's the problem with going by month, and even more, worse, like, going by the week, uh, because of these, these nuances. Right. Um, so, wh- whatever, I, it, based on the, the, the gap from the first month, I mean, you, you would have to say that Kay is the favorite to hang on to that lead in the next two months. But, um, you know, whatever, all right, whatever the numbers are, and <laughs> people will click on it. What can I tell you? Let's let's talk about the app for a second. <laughs> the Because uh, I think last time you were on, that was like the big, the big news, yeah. right? We were talking about the app and how many subscribers and all that. Well, in the end, right. he, in the end and we'll take the Francesa line first. In the end, the the whole plan all along was to create an app that would eventually be sold to somebody. And uh, Radio.com just made him an offer he couldn't refuse for the app, and it had nothing to do with the success of the app. You buying that? Uh, no, no, but, but the, 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 one, the, well, the one part of the narrative that I do buy, and, and that really actually is true, is that you, you're saying that it was planned that way. You can't. No. But, but in terms of Radio.com legitimately... Like like wanting this as part of their content and 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 taking it seriously in terms of building up what they're what they're doing, that is real. In fact, if if Francesca does leave FAN and moves over to Radio.com, that'll be another thing that they're trying to do to kind of bolster this, uh, you know, this website. That that's a big priority for them. So that part of it is true. But of course, going into it, that was not the plan. And. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, Francesca has said himself maybe it would have made more sense to, you know, that, that coming back to the radio defat, devalued the app because people could get it for free, obviously. Right. Um, so, that, and, you know, the price point. I don't Way know too expensive. Ever, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's ever, like, acknowledged that part, but uh, he has acknowledged that being on the radio for free for three hours a day is kind of a disincentive for people to subscribe to your app to hear what you have to say. So, yeah, you can't call the app a, some kind of huge business success. However, in the end, yeah, I mean, Intercom paid some amount of money for it. Uh, CAA got a cut of that. They put it on the, their web, their, um, you know, their radio.com, which is a huge priority for them. And, and um, so, yeah, that again, that, that part of what Mike said is definitely legitimate. Were you surprised as I was that he agreed to the deal and also agreed to not do his Sunday football show anymore? I I always thought uh, he looked you know, at that as like the crown jewel of his life doing that Sunday football program. It, yeah, but I think you know last year once it um, yeah whatever I mean that's that's true. But I think last year once it morphed away from the fan, uh, 
I think it maybe became less of a thing. And, okay. Uh, he just couldn't do it. I mean, I I think he would have been you know up for doing it this year, but he, he said he couldn't because Radio.com has its own show and they don't want him competing with himself. And so he just, you know, whatever. I guess he's off on Sunday mornings <laughs> now. Now maybe, you know, maybe if he leaves FAN in December, like I think he will, then in January when he goes to Radio.com, you know, maybe they figure out some new way to... I don't know, maybe whatever show they have, he joins it or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Like, that could be a thing. Well, it's really interesting because all signs do sort of point to him leaving Duff, uh, WFAM for the second time now. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get quite the uh, farewell tour we did last time. No. No, no, we're, no we're not. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely not. seems like he's leaving. He's going to uh, Radio.com. In the wake of that, let's just assume for the sake of discussion because that's what we're doing, having a discussion. Let's assume for the sake of discussion that happens. Where does that leave the Michael K show, the WFAN, and Mike Francesa? Like all three parties that we've been kind of talking about here, where does that kind of leave them? What do, what do you see the future for them in a post Francesa world? Yeah, well, Francesa obviously his visibility will go down, but he'll still have a presence. I don't know if Funhouse will still be posting videos of him or not, but he'll still be out there. He just won't have the same kind of influence, particularly locally, that he has now. You know, case show will just. I mean, it. I mean, obviously, part of this depends on what FAN does in that spot, and nobody. I. That is a very hard one to figure out at this moment. Uh, Bart Scott being unsigned is one like wild card. Um, but let's just say, let's let's just say, for the sake of argument, they take the path of least resistance, which maybe they should have done in 2017, and just put Evan and Joe in, in afternoon drive, which would be a a You know, not an which would be a safe move for them. Um, you know, I think what would happen is those guys would do fine in the ratings. They would cost a lot less money than Francesa does. And uh, Kay's show would just go about its business. And I would expect would win, but not necessarily in a blowout, because Joe and Evan are popular and very established. And then Joe will retire at some point a year from now, let's say, whatever, and then they'll have to replace him with somebody else. So... I think in a post-Francesa world, there would be less drama with a lot of the stuff we're talking about, the ratings. and I mean, yeah, I'll still report the ratings. Well, let's put it this way. If like, if if a year from now we're, we're talking about Michael Kay, you know, winning fairly narrowly over Joe and Evan in afternoon drive time, that that's just not, not an exciting story. Right, I mean, right. people will click on it, I guess, but it's just once you remove Francesa from this drama – it just becomes less juicy, and which maybe is a good thing for everyone's sanity. <laughs> but but I do think that FN will be fine. There's still a habit for a lot of people. And again, they, they took a chance with CMB, which maybe they would have worked out if they gave them time. But if I, if I were them, this time I would go the undramatic route and just let Joe and Evan do it. That's what I would do. What about the C in that? Why, why is WFM kind of doing him dirty with the... Uh, the- uh, I don't know, doing him dirt. I mean, they, you know, they had too many people. He was the odd man out. I don't think he was uh, Susan Larkin, who runs that place, not Francesa, like some people have said. <laughs> um, he, he, she, I don't think she's a huge fan. And, uh, you know, somebody had to go. They had, too, they had too many people. I mean, even if Francesa leaves, there's still too many people. If Francesa stays, there's definitely too many people. Um, so he was kind of the first to go. And I don't know, Maggie, I don't know what's going to happen to Maggie. They, they, it's possible she could go to CBS Sports Network and do a national show, or 
you know, or stay in middays at FN. I, I don't know. But she is under contract for another year. Bart is a Bart is the biggest wild card. He's not under contract. He wants to be on TV. ESPN could lure him with a you know TV access to TV, obviously. Right. So that that that's a wild card. I mean, if Bart stays at FN, he you know they might put him in Evan in the afternoon. I don't I don't know. That's that's very pop. That's another possibility. Or there could be some person out there that we have not speculated on yet that they're talking to and we don't know about it. Um, but but again, all of this stuff in a post Francesa world, I, I think uh, yeah, people will still be interested in what's going on at FAN and ESPN Radio. That will still be a thing that I have to like pay attention to in between covering hockey and football games. But it'll be less. The, the, the temperature will definitely be turned down. You know, I can't imagine, like, hatred coming from Kay for Joe and Evan. It's right. not the same dynamic. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I think what I meant a little bit more about uh, Carlin was, you know, he he was, uh, he, he, like, got denied a chance to be on the K-Show by WFAN and oh, kind of all that yeah. drama. That's, that, okay, that's just well, that, business. That was right? a weird... I mean, it turns out that he was right that that, that he's allowed to, he's allowed to do whatever he wants because not um, not compete clauses are mostly illegal in New York except if you can prove that it would do damage to the company. So a guy like Francesa, you actually could do a non complete cause because of his, of his prominence. But arguing that Chris Carlin going on ESPN is damaging Intercom is really not a thing. So it was just confusion that day he was supposed to go on, and they gave him five minutes left before the show. He didn't have time to check on the legalities of it, and just to be safe, they didn't have him do the full two hours. But um, in, in the end, it turned out he really he really can do it. They can't stop him from doing it. It's just ille- it's basically illegal. So right. um, it's, it's all going to be a moot point in about you know six weeks or something, whenever his contract technically expires. He could do whatever he wants. Um, but yeah, that, that was a weird, that was a weird one. Um, yeah, I, I guess if you, I guess if you're FAN, you could argue, well, wait a minute, Chris Carlin's going on a K show at three o'clock against our big show and people, I mean, I was listening to K that day at three o'clock to see what Carlin would say. So there must've been other people doing it. So you could argue, well, wait a minute, why would we let this guy do this? And he's hurting our ratings. Right. Yeah. I see. I see their side. I just, I think it came off as a little petty, right? was on, I, you, you could say it was uncool. I mean, I, get, I mean, you could certainly argue it was just sort of mean, right? Uncool, whatever you want to say. But it turns out it was also legally not didn't hold water. Crazy. So I mistakenly, like a lot of people, I mistakenly thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, they're still paying him. He's not allowed to go on. But it turns out that that's apparently not the case. Crazy. How many years does Chris have left on his XM contract? Serious XM contract. He, did he just start oh, I, a new one? You know, to, to be completely honest, I've lost track. I mean, I know he's. Um, I don't even know the answer to that. I think he just <laughs> I really, started. I really a new don't. One. I haven't paid attention. I'm not that I don't pay attention to his show. I just right. haven't paid attention to his contract recently. So Imagine if he was coming up right now, though, and you could just kind of throw his name in for fun speculation. That would be. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah. He, you know, one of the things Susan has said to me on the record in. I guess she said it to other people also. Is one of our, you know, one of our priorities is having a more diverse station in terms of gender and race. But even more so than that, a very high priority for her, for them, is getting younger. So the hosts <laughs> and the audience. 
and it's a challenge in talk radio because it all skews old, but ESPN is younger than FAN in terms of its listeners. And a big priority, a big priority is getting the, the audience younger. So that is something to keep an eye on in terms of who she hires. And Chris Russo, I don't know if it would, if that's in fits with that game plan. So, um, I would be surprised if she brings in anybody, you know, over 50 ever. Right. So, I mean, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I was just kind of having fun with that anyway. Just kind no, of Well, I mean, yeah. it, it would obviously be a splash. I mean, that would make a splash. Obviously. Right, yeah. It would just be kind of like a funny thing, like, oh, and here Chris comes to take Mike's seat. Oh, well, of course. And, yeah. No, that'd be a great story. Yeah. Well, that... If something like that happened, then the ratings battle would, would, that would continue be in, to be a thing. Yeah, that would be a thing. Well, <laughs> there's, it, there's no question about it. Good job by you, Neil. To, what on the podcast? Yeah, good or job by you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good job by you. <laughs> no, 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 I appreciate. <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to make sure what you're praising me for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Neil Neil Best is at Sports Watch on Twitter, and uh, he writes not only about sports media for New York Newsday, but he also is, you know. At an Islanders game here and there, maybe a Jets game. Now, he hasn't had much success with the New York football teams. Uh, he might be the cause no, for the spiral. I've lost, I've lost 15 in a row, but the, the ultimate test is I, is the Jets. I'm doing the Jets-Dolphins game. Oh, that so is a test, yeah. This is the ultimate test of my streak. And the other thing is this is the last chance because the Jets-Giants game, they can't both lose. That's so right. This is, the, this is the end of my streak, one way or the other. It's going to be fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> wow, that's too funny. Well, good, listen, thank you for coming on as always. Uh, okay. Good luck to Cornell hockey this year. I know they're favored yeah. to, favored to win the ECAC this year in most polls. Uh, so good luck to them. Um, I always have a. It's an interesting program for me because it's the first place I saw my brother play D1 hockey but it's also the place where he broke his leg as a senior um, so I have mixed right. feelings about Cornell but um, man they're always so big how do they always find such big players I don't know if it's those red and white uniforms or what but every time Cornell comes out of the locker room it's like man are they the biggest team in the ECAC or what um, they always look the so big thing, yeah. well, the crazy thing is with all their success how they just can't I mean I, I, I started school for 41 years ago and in, in that time they've been to two frozen fours 80 and 2003 which in is Buffalo. incredible given, yeah. the, given the number right yeah. but given the number of of tournaments they've been in and and the fact there's only 16 teams not like 68 like basketball right the fact that they've only been to two frozen fours is is ridiculous especially well, since they probably won the ecac probably 10 times at least oh. in that in that time I mean, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's something. It's more than a dozen times yeah. they've been in the regionals and not won. And again, it's hockey. There's only 16 teams. You just have to win two games. And they have to be annoyed that Harvard and Yale have won national championships since they have. Yeah, that can't no, I be. I got to tell you no, the, real, a real quick story. When they played here in the Frozen Four in 2003, and I hope I'm remembering uh-huh. this right, but I'm almost positive they had the the earlier of the two games. They did. And back then, um, the tickets were not kind of as grouped together as much or as kind of like uh, – or they weren't separate. It, you like right. – now there's like the Thursday ticket and the s- Saturday ticket. Then it was like the Cornell ticket was good for all the games, right? So right. I remember yeah. 
being downtown after the Cornell game. And there's uh, the street that the there's this the arena used, was originally called Crossroads because it's at the crossroad of Washington and this other street that was like the the pre corporate name, and right. Washington is the one that goes straight towards the arena. Like if you were driving and you didn't stop, you go right through it. That whole street for about six city blocks was lined with people in red Cornell jerseys holding their tickets saying, please give me even a dollar for this so I can go yeah. back to Ithaca and get the hell out of here after that dreadful game versus, who was it, Maine or New Hampshire, one of them. New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire. No, you're, no, you're absolutely right. And I was one of the people, <laughs> you know, who couldn't, we just couldn't, we just couldn't get rid of him, period. Yeah, my, a friend of mine and I, we gave him to, his son was an undergraduate at the time. We said we tried to get him to sell him for us because we just, we figured, you know, give him an incentive because he just couldn't sell him. Yeah, we yeah. had the whole strip. And, and by like, whatever, 4 o'clock Thursday afternoon, you're like, what the hell do I do now? Uh-huh. No interest in chicken wings. No interest in the falls. They just wanted to get the hell out of oh. Buffalo. Goodbye. We've had enough of this city for today. I just remember, please, I think I got... I got I bought some ones for like five bucks a piece and went to the yeah. last two games. But what a time, what a day! Listen, Neil, thank you so much. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, just read Newsday dot com, I guess. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> I always love doing this with you. Okay. Okay. Thanks. All right, I want to thank Neil Best and Jeff Passan for being on the podcast today. Don't forget, you can listen to this week's show and all our shows, including last week's featuring Joe Tessitore and Scott Burnside, on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Please leave a five-star review if you're known to do that kind of thing. Uh, you can email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. I respond to all emails. Or look us up on Twitter where we're at sports underscore casters. Don't forget my good friend Peter Winston from the Greetings from Allentown podcast. He's at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. His new episode is another uh, WWF show, I believe from 1990 or 1991. Adrian Dater uh, is doing his own thing covering the Avs and doing it admirably. He's out on the road in Canada somewhere right now. Follow him on Twitter at a dater uh, at college hockey now to find out more. Or excuse me, at col is not college; it's Colorado. Col hockey now that stands for Colorado Hockey Now dot com uh, to find out what's up with Adrian. Uh, also, place to be nation. Uh, my buddy Scott and Justin over there they're getting ready to start a sitcoms tournament. Sitcoms from all eras, from the fifties to today. It's a giant bracket, and you vote. There's even a play-in round to even get on the bracket. It's They've thought of every show, I think. Uh, so I'm excited to vote in that. For more information, it's placetobenation.com. Follow them on Twitter. They're place, the number two, the word B, nation. Place, number two, B-E, nation, on Twitter. All right. With all that said, it's one last thing from me today. Paula is going through a phase right now where she does not want to go to sleep. 
She never wants to sleep. She doesn't want to take naps. She doesn't want to go to bed at night. She doesn't want to go to bed at her nap at her bedtime. She doesn't want to go to bed when mom and dad go to bed. She just always wants to be awake. I've been telling her for years, Paula, days end. The day is over, honey. It's time for bed. She's always been a good sleeper, really. She sleeps good when she falls asleep. But she's going through a phase right now where she just doesn't want to do it. And, like, I look back. My dad was saying to me, like, oh, you were the same way. And I get, like, every kid doesn't want bedtime, right? You want to stay up for half hour more, five minutes more, do one more thing, read me a story, sing me a song, all that. I get that. But she's taking this to a new level. I mean, meltdowns and crying. And the other night it kind of came to a head. And um, like I'm thinking to myself, like I need to call Jeff Perlman and talk to his wife, the family coach. Like I need parenting advice. Like I'm failing here. What the hell is going on? You know. So what happened was, so we put her to bed. She wakes up, and I say, okay, you can. Mom and dad are staying up for half an hour more. You can stay up with us and then help me shut down the house. And then go to bed then. Okay, daddy. So we go through the whole thing. We let Colston out. We turn the TV off, shut the lights off, lock the doors. You know, Uh, we go to the bathroom, brush our teeth, take her in her room. I get her tucked in, tuck her in nice and tight like a burrito. You know, I'm cracking jokes. She wants me to read her a story. I read her a story. She wants me to sing her a song. So like I'm singing Given to Fly to her because that's her like. New song of the moment right now. I'm singing Twinkle, Twinkle. And every time I'm about to leave, it's like she wants one more thing, one more thing. So I'm like, all right, that's it. Good night. I love you. I shut the door. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs. She gets out of bed. She turns the light on. I'm not going to bed. Like, total meltdown. So I go back in there. Get in bed. You know, I'm starting to kind of yell. Like, raise my voice a little bit. Get back in bed. Get her back in bed. And she just won't stop. So I'm like... If I have to come in here one more time, you know, I'm going to bring a garbage bag. We're going to start putting toys in the garbage bag and we're going to take them to the Salvation Army or whatever. You know, like I'm thinking, like, what did my parents do? Like, they used to threaten me with Father Baker. She doesn't know what Father Baker is. Like, when I didn't want to sleep, my parents were like, we're going to take you to Father Baker and you're going to sleep at Father Baker. I was like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to do that. Please, no. So I would go to sleep. So I tried that. So then I'm going to the bathroom. And just like this enormous wave of guilt just like flushes over me. Like, why did I yell? You know, why did I do that? Should have been more patient. How do you, you know, just like my heart is broken. And, you know, it's just kind of the way here. Like, even with Colston, I was the one, you know, who kind of had to yell and discipline him if need be. You know, Tammy kind of wasn't that person. And I knew that when Paula was born that, That's how it would be that I would be the one, you know, I'm going to call your father kind of a thing. And I, I understand that. And I want, I have one shot at this, right? I'm not having any other kids. I want to do good. You know, I want to be a good father. I want other people to notice I'm a good father. I want to think that when I'm not around, people are saying, man, he can be grouchy or he's maybe not the best person to be around, but Man, he is a good father. You got to give him that. Like, I want that to be, you know, who I am. Like, I want to be really good at this. You know, I want to do it right. Um, And there's another part of this, too, is that, like, I often look at Tammy and I think, like, you're going to have more time with her. 
Like, I just know that in my gut, like, in my heart, that Tammy's going to have more time. That I'm going to be the one uh, to go first. You know, and I don't know if that's going to be in five years or 10 years or 30 years. I don't know. But I just always feel like it's going to be me first and that she's going to have more time with her. You know, and I want the time, however much it is with her. You know, it really hurts me to think that if anything happened to me tomorrow, and I'm saying this because, like, more and more as I get to 38, 39, and I look at the ages of people who die suddenly, I'm, like, getting closer. You know, and you start to feel that pressure, and I just think, like, how awful would it be that if I died tomorrow, she, in 10 years, would not have many memories of me. Like, she would tell people, like, yeah, he died when I was really young. I don't really know him. You know, and that scares me like that. That there's like a paranoia in my life to that. Like I worry about that. You know, I want to I want to be more than a picture that she looks at. Like I want to be in her head and her heart forever. You know, I want to be daddy. And I want her to know. And I just know that Tammy will have more time and I'm okay with that. But while I have, and again, I'm not trying to be too dramatic, like, oh, you're going to die tomorrow. I'm not saying that. You know, I just feel like everything I've been through, compared to her, who's been through nothing. You know, I just feel like that's our destinies. Um, and I just want to, I want to be good. I want to do it good. You know? And when something comes up, like this phase where she doesn't want to go to bed, you know, and I have to be the one to, like, go in there. And say like, you know, that's enough, honey. You know, you it's it's time for bed. You know, like I feel that. And I just, I don't know. What would you guys do? If anyone's listening and they want to email the sportscasters at gmail.com. You know, was I too hard on her? I don't know. Will she grow out of it? Did this happen with your kid? What did you do? I don't know. I just wanted to come on here, I guess, at the end and tell you what's going on with me right now. What I'm wrestling with internally. It's just like this fear of what would I be if I wasn't here anymore to her? You know, what would her memory be of me? And it'll go on with me forever when she's four, when she's five. And again, this isn't me being dramatic. It's me being realistic. Like we always say, don't take it for granted, right? So I'm literally taking that to heart. I'm not taking it for granted. I am trying to value every single day and every single minute I have with her. And all I want is to be daddy and to be in her heart. Chase Miss